0: Good evening, good evening. This is another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening?
1: Fairly well, fairly well, fairly well. Doc, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well. I'm really excited with all the different issues that have and are currently changing in the landscape of sports. A lot of time. It's a good time to be a sports reporter, sports analyst, a sports professor. You know, sport management teachers, good time in the
0: field. Let's get right into it. Uh, you know, um, I have a voice now. I didn't have one a few days ago. I sounded really bad. It was really, really awful. But let's get right into it. You want to talk about the thing 1st Or we'll talk about the Rockets and the smaller issues and end up with the massive issues.
2: I think we'll start with the massive. It's on front of everybody's tongue. Yeah. I believe a lot of people want to hear about yeah. it. I believe we need to go ahead and, and get into this. You are correct because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. my friend Amy
0: mm-hmm. asked me, she was really, <laughs> is your voice back yet? I really want your thoughts on the Donald Sterling issue. So let's get right into it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, any backstory we need to give any listeners, we know about the, uh, audio that was posted, well, obtained by Team D Sports Friday night, posted on the internet. I posted on my Facebook page and started Traveling around because initially it got out Friday evening or so, well, and then a few people light. started, I think, listening to the interview and then reposting it later on Friday night and the early Saturday morning. I think when national media really took on and realized what the hell had been said on on the recording during the hour conversation that Sterling said, uh spoke with his side piece, uh, the Steviano, and then a few days, you know, that was Friday night, Saturday rumblings about what are they what's the NBA gonna do. NBA sent releases a statement saying they they're gonna investigate to, to validate whether it's Sterling's voice or not. And then you had know, uh involved the Clippers, of course, and then Sunday the leading up to Sunday's playoff game between the Clippers and the Warriors, people are wondering what should the players, the Clippers specifically do. And I know people, some folks are calling them the boycott. Uh, not sure for the game at all. Some people had their own ideas what should be done. Then some folks not satisfied with what the players did. Uh, during the warm-up, they just had the warm that wore their warm-up jerseys inside out and threw the jerseys on the forward half court. And some folks weren't happy with that. So you can't please everybody.
3: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> and then, Tuesday, new commissioner Adam Silver dropped the hammer down on Sterling. I don't even want, to, I don't feel right calling the man Mr. because that, that's the Show respect to someone, and I don't really respect Sterling. So for what he said, so that dude um, that banned guy. that 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 guy is banned for life. And Commissioner Silver received many plaudits and kudos for his action. And he expected the owners to the other twenty-nine owners to agree, because you need a 3 force majority vote of the owners to decide basically to force Sterling to sell or terminate ownership of the Clippers, and here we are. The NBA this evening released a statement, a brief statement, and I'll read that very brief. Um, The following statement has been issued by Mike Bass, Executive Vice President, communications regarding today's meeting of the NBA Advisory Finance Committee. This afternoon, quote, this afternoon the Advisory Finance Committee met via conference call to discuss the process for termination of Donald P. Sterling's ownership of the Los Angeles Clippers. The committee unanimously agreed to move forward as expeditiously, expeditiously as possible and will reconvene next week, end quote. Now, this committee, I, I believe, is made up of nine or 10 owners who were talking on the conference call. So they unanimously agreed going to move forward, try to force a sale. So here, here we are. In case you guys did not... Read about this. I think I emailed you earlier about this. I know I've tweeted it on and posted it on Facebook as well. In 1982, the NBA tried to oust Donald Sterling over recorded comments. Waka, did you know about that? Yes, sir. And it failed. Well, the reason.
3: Yeah, it's the reason was very What's different my? from
0: State this current reason, right? And it's kind of interesting too, but apparently there's audio in 82 of Sterling talking to in a hotel, I think. Basically, let me, let me pull us more information. Um, he was talking at a luncheon and he insisted that the Clippers needed to finish last so they could draft a player like Ralph Sampson. So basically he's talking about tanking.
1: Right. That was the first time it was brought up.
0: And it, excuse me, it, it took the other owners by took, took them aback, and they were just floored. Floored by that it tied in with those comments tied in with the fact that S- Sterling had not made payments. Uh, for let me to get leave this right, let me, yeah, let me get this right here. Uh, he was fined ten thousand dollars for his comments, and
1: we commissioner at that the, time
0: the source. An NBA source tell this is all in, according to the Los Angeles Times, and they just went through the archives, pulled up the information. And a quote from one of the NBA sources was, he, as in Sterling, is as good as gone. End quote. The owners seemed shocked. Times reporter Randy Harvey wrote in September 1982. He did not turn out to be the real thing. Perhaps they will scratch the surface the next time they need a new owner. The next step was, and this is all because Sterling was trying to relocate the franchise from San Diego to the Clippers, to Los Angeles, and they grew concerned about his late payments to players, hotel, program, printers, and others. Basically, he was cheap. One of the things Sterling is another, in this to be a racist,
3: he was
0: cheap. So all those things were combined, and, and the owners wanted to try to get rid of him. And the next step, the league had a committee, another advisory finance committee, uh, to terminate Sterling. Same issues, they agreed. But eight days after the committee's vote, Sterling announced his desire to sell the team, which bought him time, and the league's effort to remove him eventually lost steam. Is he going to – he's a lawyer now. So we're fast forward now, 2014. Uh, is he going to be litigious and try to buy things. time this, this time? Is he going to take, take, take this
1: away? Two things are going to happen. Since that period, we've all found out one thing that is about him. He's a litigator. True. He doesn't mind fighting. One, two, he doesn't mind paying fine. We found that out. This is going to be an ugly two to three years. I don't, I don't think it's going to take that fast. And one of the things I talk now, about is that fast, take that, take fair that fair long.
3: Fair I
2: don't think it'll take that long. Okay. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I think the process through the courts. Now, I understand that. I don't think it's really going to get a chance to go through the courts so far. I think just as people think about him being a litigator, you got to remember that everybody on the other side are litigators as well. True. And the issue that he has that has been able to allow him to, you know,
0: survive
2: and flourish to some degree as a litigator, is usually he's dealing with people that have less pockets than he does. He's running into an entity and
1: organization that literally has nine times as much as he was at the bottom line. But the last time he paid a fine out was to the government about housing. And that was different and and I
0: he, he settled that though.
1: And his every case he's settled has always been with one phrase that stayed the same. Without admit of guilt.
2: Right, my point is is that
3: I don't think people really understand the
2: framework, and this is one thing I tried to shift out yesterday is we when you join an organization, whether it's a fraternity, sorority, or just a general organization, there are constitution that are written and bylaws associated with, it. so people are just talking about him being a litigator or whatever. What people don't really understand there is a constitution that has bylaws. If you join the fraternity of Alpha Phi Alpha, although you pay your money, you have your rights and privileges, as anybody that does to have that organization, if you fail to meet the bylaws, and the bylaws allows that individual, that organization, to cease and desist your membership, if the bylaws state that you can, you can. That's what will happen. We've seen it done before. Sometimes it's over legal issues. Sometimes it's other other issues, morality clause. It happens. It's not the first time we've seen this with big businesses where chairmen are voted out literally of true. their chair, true, based on the fact that the rest of the chairs and the governors vote them out. They happen to be sometimes people that have literally found an organization. Part of the difficulty that people have here is you shifting from a sole proprietorship or even an LLC to some degree to an organization where you join and you, when you join, you say that you're going to abide by these constitutional agreements. What happened last time, they could have forced him out last time. It had nothing to do with the fact, they might have been to some degree upset with him doing the legal, but somebody behind the scene suggested that we need to move forward. We'll make this work. All these people are not hearing that now. The man is gone. He can try to act like he's going to fight something. Even if he do, does that, he's going to lose a lot of money. And anything that you know about this guy, he doesn't like to lose money. To fight this organization, it's going to take a lot of money. He doesn't want to do that. But this
0: interesting irony, and I agree with what you're saying, and, and that's something that folks, because he's, he's part of the Board of Governors, and they have a constitution. And part of the Constitution, he's violated the bylaws of the Constitution. Period. So that is true. The irony is, they force him to sell.
1: He's going to make a hell of a lot of money. Right. But I don't. I don't have any I don't have an issue with that. I
3: don't.
1: I don't have an issue because that's just business. Right.
2: Exactly. Right.
3: Just business. Yeah. Business. Plus, I also want to create
2: a concept of business. He's worth over oh. what? There is a valuation of the franchise, which means that if if he sold that franchise it would be worth this much. You may get this much, but you got to you got to subtract the valuation of the program itself to really get his net value. So he won't make as much as you would think when you hear that the franchise is worth this much, because there's already a. Under-
0: so the okay. <laughs> so of- let's say last month the Clippers. Is- were valued at seven hundred fifty million dollars. Right. So, so you're part saying of
2: that is part of his net worth. Okay. It's embedded within it.
0: So you're saying now they're worth less than seven hundred fifty million dollars based on all this stuff that's happened, sponsorships going no, away, whatever. Yeah.
2: Drive it up because people will come together and you'll have multiple bidders, right. multiple but bidders. I mean, Man. Even if they bid for a billion dollars for it, mm-hmm. it's not like he's getting a billion dollars over the seven hundred thousand dollars he has now. It's embedded in
1: that call. Make a net value offer. Now, That's why you hear all these podcasts. No, listen, thank you very much. Now my question is, and, and when they started talking about, you know, I heard uh, uh Les mention about, you know, trying to do like they did in WNBA take my credentials. And what process would they go by to not so much totally them, but devalue the product itself? Other than what's, you know, what's out on the floor, because if the players are part of that product. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. know, as, as far as...
3: Well,
2: I mean, it's like anything, uh, when you look at something, there's a perceived value. So whoever's gonna buy it is gonna have that pre- perceived value of what it's worth. So again, he may sell it for a billion dollars. For example, you have a car. See, so you realize the car may be worth $30,000. Well, when you say your net worth, well, you're adding that $30,000 in there. You see what I'm saying? It's part of your net worth. So now your net worth may be $100,000. Okay? Now you sell it for 40. You still gotta take out what was already embedded in there for $30,000. So it's really 40,000 versus the 30 that you haven't said that's your net worth. So now it's 10. So you're really only making $10,000 in true net revenue off of it. So I'm not saying you won't make any money, but it's not as big as everybody thinks it's gonna be. And regardless, yes, he invested in something, he makes money. Again, that happens in businesses. Just because you're voted off as the chairperson doesn't mean that you still have the chair, chair, chair in the business. So you take that. But really what's going to hurt Donald, as you talked about earlier, is the fact that he is a person that needs control. No longer has the control. So there's a lot of things that have already disturbed him, if you want to be honest with it, as somebody that is. Egotistical and maniac as he talked about, cause a lot of people beat on the ACP, and I understand some of the concerns, but I also tell people, because he's really taking the focus off the person that really, uh, should be on Donald Sutherland and the biggest things that he did. Uh, that's point blank. And in fact, this is an individual that would literally take out ads in the LA Times, uh, telling himself that he was humanitarian of the year. He actually did this through UCLA. Right. $400,000 told he was going to give them like $3 million. They were another organization that's well-respected. They fell in love with all this information. They, they bought the hype. Yep. They bought the hype. And people take information. Just like everybody's learning stuff now. Everybody may have heard something, but most folks, unfortunately, do not deal with people of poorness uh, that have issues. We just don't look at them. And I think that is something that needs to be examined, how we treat poor people in the world, particularly in this country, that has a lot of riches. But we just don't pay attention to it, so I'm not going to jump on an organization um, that much. They obviously need to do a better job of their homework, but I just not refuse to blast. And one thing that disturbs me as an African-American now, oftentimes, and I kind of do this under vestiges of the slavery mentality, and I want to make sure I say that carefully, I'm saying slavery mentality, not slavery or chattel slavery, which we know is horrible. But the mentality that people look at in terms of created slavery allows, of- or the plantation model, again not plantation life, right? Plant sure, model the framework that exists that allows individuals to treat people in this manner, and I call it a term that I'm using now, which is the dehumanization, dehumanization of an athlete to where you could see them as less than human. So there, way you juxtapose that and you create an environment that allows such cyclical bigotry, and racism to exist. As I will finish up with the component I was talking about, UCLA. UCLA said they were going to return the money, the $400,000, just like the NAACP didn't want the rest of the money they was going to get. And, in fact, that they made it clear that they didn't put the ad or okay the ad that he put in the LA Times where he had his picture, his wife, and a (laughs) professor in the middle saying that uh, he did all this for UCLA and he's this great person, humanitarian. So this is a man that has alternative, of mod- uh, you know, motives of what he does. So we need to really frame that and talk about what he did. The last thing I would kind of want to chime in as we move forward because we definitely covered the framework. Another organization did, but I hadn't really heard many people talk about it like this. One thing that I can really appreciate from Athens, which is a changing paradigm in my framework, for the longest African American individuals. We're fighting for equality in the country, and I think we've come a long way, and we need to make sure that we let people know that that component of what we did is there. There's still some issues out there, obviously, and you always strive for a better component. but these players uniquely seen as different, and I've never seen a group at this level, particularly of young people, that looked at this in regards to not equality but equity, which to me is what you heard. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King talked about later when he transitioned really from equality to equity. You talk about African Americans that fight this we You talked about in a lot of frameworks in regards to the next layer of equality and equity. And when you really look at equity in terms of business, that means that you have a share when you look at equity. A
3: partnership, partnership exactly.
2: And so these um, professional individuals with LeBron James being the worst, one of the first ones that came out, and I give him a lot of kudos to uh, you, don't necessarily see this. And once he made a statement, I thought it was easier. And Kobe Bryant, when people frustrated him, I give him a lot of credit because he came right out real quickly as well. Uh, then later, Chris Paul and the fact that they were very savvy in bringing in Kevin Johnson. They were going to concentrate on what they were doing. And when you come into a business, we go and open a store, just because I'm mad at you doesn't mean that I'm going to stop Revenue to destroy. I'm going to find a way to create a way that we can either uh, leave the business amicably and get in our money or ask you some questions of where we can be. So he stated that very loudly and clearly that this individual does not have a place in our game, meaning that he's in partnership with this. Right. I think that was very savvy. They were smart enough to say that we don't want st- to destroy this, so we're not going to strike right away. Say- Worse comes the worst, and you don't understand that we believe that we're partners in this, then we're going to have to do some things maybe a little more challenging. But they made a statement, put the black on, dumped the shirts, they had support, and they were even prepared, as we know now, literally to walk out Tuesday night Correct. if things were not done in a manner that was salient. Remember, they asked for three things. justice, what they thought was a quick, but done. Immediate, matter. Nobody else can argue with that. Seventy two hours for something to come out, which also tells you a lot about social media and how this changed the magnitude of how we saw things. That's kind of a separate subject. And the fact that they were unequivocally saying that this man cannot be a part of this league. And I think that is a significant framework to look at how, at least in basketball, players, particularly a large amount of players, almost eighty percent were African Americans see themselves in a whole different framework than we ever saw before. And the financial component, uh, I laughed when I heard that uh, not the part that the people that were sponsoring it left, but the fact that one of the 12 eventually did all that start to take a And the fact that they said that we don't know if it be a part of the Clippers and Donald Sterling, but we still don't support with Paul in terms of continuing forward moving with that. That was salient. And the fact that one of the People that pulled out was the water company has ownership <laughs> in part by um the mogul rapper uh out of New York, um not J D but uh what's his name?
3: Diddy.
0: Diddy yeah. Puff Daddy
2: Puff Puffy,
0: Sean Combs. Sean, Sean, combs. Sean Combs, there we go. Sean Puffy Diddy Daddy to get a combs, and yeah.
2: Framework. And I think that was important to see the shifting of how you do have the major players
1: embedded in it.
0: And let's, and let me continue that. But first, hold on movement. real quick. Yeah. I want him to go ahead and say who you are, sir, because that was great. So, tell everybody Thank who you, you are.
1: Well. Yeah, you're going to carry <laughs> us today, you No to doubt. That's why you're part right, of this okay. show.
0: Uh, I'll, I but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Dr.
2: Geniata Kaville, Texas Southern University, a professor of sports management. I look at all components of sports, but I'm really interested in and the uh, historical culture, uh, social, historical framework, and we look at sports. Particular for the African American diaspora in the history of the black colleges and universities based on the business of how, how can folks find you, sir? You
3: can follow
2: me on uh, the social media platforms at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Dr. Kenyatta Cavil. D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Again, that's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. My Twitter and Facebook have increased. So, know people are listening, and I want to say thank you for that. Uh, if you have some questions that you burn that you want to get off, you can even do it on those platforms. Obviously, we have our site, but you can go do that. But if you want to email me directly, Cavill uh, that's K Cavill at phd dot com, I'd be more than happy to try to uh, exchange information.
0: Wildcat, go ahead.
1: I am. I can be. I am the fifth wild Wildcat. I can be found Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Blogger. Uh, why else? Uh, tweet deck. I'm all over the place. Um, at AKSVDCSR and JL woodley one Well, that's I want
0: to close I want to continue
3: that, but go ahead. Oh,
0: okay,
1: <laughs> we can. Uh, one thing that I was really, uh, excited about is I read an article. I actually
3: had
2: students read it and talked about W.U. the boy. He was somebody that I admire in a lot of ways. He mm-hmm. was uh, teaching at Clark Atlanta University at ACC for the majority of his career. And one of the longest components when he uh, submitted so much of his great research that was appreciated. There was a manuscript that he wrote about uh, Black Reconstruction in America in 1935. I actually had my students read this. but when I've seen the article uh, on um, the nation that talks about what helped bring Don Sterling down with the question, a threatened strike against racism. W.E.B. W. Boyd uh, called on this action in that article, talking about a strike against racism. So it's interesting, almost a 100 years later, how that has come full circle. And professional athletes said, many of us, the questioning about their activism has really reverted to that statement. I think it's salient and important. And while a lot of people kind of were frustrated with athletes,
1: early in regards to why they would finish I think the fact that we give them a lot of kudos when we really look down in front of the house in front of it not work. So let's, uh, doctor, let's talk about uh, Doctor Edwards mentioned um when it was yesterday I, I just, could have been this morning. Um uh, that here we are, you know, about the question was asked basically why are we still why is this still a, a daily issue. A daily issue. But Dr. Uh, D like that there was answered, it is an ever-evolving situation between the cultures. No matter what race, it will always be there. It may not be out front. It may be hidden. It may be in kept in a private situation. But at some point, an action will occur to bring it to the forefront. That's why we I, still... I, that's, I
2: totally agree with you. If you really with really. you. It's like any country. It is part of the history, our history, and it's embedded in the fabric of our country. And one of the reasons I think that we may have moved as far as we have, given credit in terms of where have we gone in short periods, is I'm not sure if we really had an honest dialogue about the subject. Because,
0: it's so because people, if we, we may lose some people, in this podcast because we're talking about race racism still existing because they don't because they choose to believe that it doesn't because it's uncomfortable they say it doesn't exist anymore yeah, you know
2: even if they're saying that the reason they say that is because it's easier to say that Right. you don't have to deal with it and I, I can understand why they would have some concern. I'm one of the first people to tell you that it's uncomfortable and so I'm not saying and one of the guys that push it out their own people once I open it up and I'm telling you that I'm not going to do it from an angry black man, quote-unquote, I right. use like african uh preferably, but I'm not coming at you like that. And people are tend to be open with you. So we there's a part of it that we have to understand. And if you're going to have this uh, conversation, you have to do it in a way such that people are allowed to express their thoughts without you just being bombastic and angry. Uh, but you do have the ability to really tell your true thoughts as well. And I think that's one of the things. We haven't really truly opened the dialogue. We've had discussion. Uh, we've had debate. And debate means I'm trying to impress my opinion on you. Dialogue means I'm trying to provide information to you uh, in regards that we're open to it versus a discussion where we just put it out there for information that's taking place. So we really need to look at as more than anything is important out of this is how much words mean a great deal.
0: And a few things. One, on a very basic level, I'm not sure how long ago it was. A few months ago, I don't want to mention the cereal specifically, but there was a commercial with a white woman, wife, black man as a husband, and a biracial little girl. In the commercial, and there were people upset of what that represented. Right. Because it was just, why could you, how, you know, it's 2014, right. and you still have it. So, racism's still there. It'll, yeah, it does, you know. But
2: I'm, I'm very careful when you go <clears throat> by that, because most of what we heard of people's frustration or excitement was over the social media platform. And while it has a lot of good things about it, because I think it's one of the reasons why this risen to the top so far, so fast, because people were able to get information out there. But I don't know, and this is—you have to forgive me. This is the research side of it. I don't know how much credence we can give to how somebody really feels just by looking at it, their statements on social media because it's
0: anonymous. Yeah, it's anonymous. Right.
2: right. You literally have individuals. There was a case where somebody was talking about they were chastised as a coach by this guy. When he finally met the guy, the guy said he didn't even feel like that. He just—it was a place where he released some tension. He thought he was. Playing, I remember seeing, seeing about playing that playing too. I think you have some people on there that are literally saying stuff just to frustrate people.
0: It's to trolling. To get, that, that's to get what,
2: yeah. attention. So how much of that is really what society feels versus what is it somebody just trying to make a statement so they can get information out there? Don't get me wrong. I understand that racism racism truly exists, but I don't know if we really understand the level and the magnitude. And I think if we're frank, it shifts in terms of where you are in this sure. country. Sure. So... And in a region or even in a state, within the own state, uh, I'm sure the level of it uh, changes in people's action. People may have a concern or may have certain feelings, but people really acting on it. And that's really, really, really become racist or racism is when you act on it. Right. So I'm sure there are a lot of people that have issues with race, which is very natural. But when it becomes sinister is when you actually communicate it. So it's not only what Donald Sterling was saying, but I think it was the fact that he was it in, in, in a situation where he was actually trying to get uh, another individual to actually act on how he felt in terms of that. And again, which means when you look at, deeper at his action, you see that how much it has really oppressed people, which is a very big concern to me is when you use this framework in such a way that you're oppressing people.
3: It
0: it a, a couple of things. Um, talking about the today's NBA players being more involved and in seeing themselves as partners. 10, 15, 20 years ago, that was just a complete 180. Right. It was, I mean, it's gotten better, but it was just, it was like pulling teeth to get players to be involved in the union. Right. You know, just get involved, right. you know.
2: right, And that's because unions for a long time were, especially for African Americans, were not necessarily a place where equality exists. And you really have to look at the framework where we've come as a nation and particularly as a people in terms of African Americans. I mean, you literally are on the backs less than 200 years in regards to people were shackled and treated, as they talk about, the dehumanization of slaves where they were really controlled from not only bodily injury and death to a mindset. So you come from that, and then you're starting to fight for equality. So much of this is a pathway uh, to moving, which is not only in terms of what you can do in society, but also a framework of mind. So it's very fair to understand that you make a great point that athletes weren't there yet. And I would argue and say they probably shouldn't have been there yet, because they were really... A lot of times facing issues of just trying to be a part of the league. I showed my students a movie called Black Magic, which I'm sure you've seen. Oh yes. It. And that creates the framework where you know at one time you literally can blame blackmail. I mean you had European American coaches that did not necessarily think of this and you had ownership and literally blackballed coaches and players out of the league if they didn't, weren't comfortable about them coalescing to the organization. And this wasn't necessarily just done to African Americans. Again, this was done to people that maybe created a, a, a universal vibe, and it was also done for people that uh, didn't like what unions did. So this was a framework of control. It just happens to be in this case, it, it was about athletes and these athletes that happened to be African American. Let's not forget that even the team, when you look at the Clippers, there's a Euro- European American on that team that was very offended by the remark. J.J. Reddick. And and was J.J. Reddick, and to his credit, was like, I disagree with that. These are my families, and and this is my brother's, in terms of what we're trying to go with this organization. And he was ready to boycott as well. So, And you look at those that fought civil rights issues alongside of the group of African Americans that were young. Oftentimes we forget these students. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even the older group of African Americans were not prepared to fight civil rights because they were... And That's true. rightful to be scared because they came in a different framework, and right. Conditions, and they had a lot much more to give up. Many people had jobs and families. So, oftentimes, when you see change, and I tell my students this all the time, usually change is done by young people. One, because uh, they're not. They haven't been conditioned, uh, conditioned it, as much it, and they're not locked into right. situations that require that they can't. And they're, and they're not something driven by I, money. I think they kind of laugh when I say it the fact that sometimes young people are just crazy and sick it, and tired. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, I'm this, I'm this. Yeah. It, I want
0: to say, two say this real quick. Okay, you can go to talk. Up, you know. But let's keep in mind, it's been talked about a little bit that um, someone notified Sterling about the pictures that she took, his woman took with Maddie Johnson. Let's not and let's that, not forget that.
1: And that, someone and
0: someone that bothered someone that he knows to get this started. That's, right. how, that's
1: how, yeah. how this that's how this this took said place. That, and I'm yes. glad you brought and that up too because so another And, and that, that bothered one. me because
2: Well I think that I think that's important because if you really look at what he said in his statement was when she asked the question, what is the problem here? She said, I told you before I have people that don't like you." And it may be a, in regards to race, or it may be the fact that as males, and I think we need to put this on the oh TV, yeah. even if we're males, we need to look at this in terms of a gender issue as well, where you know, uh, as well as I know, that a lot of dogs yep. other men, because <laughs> yep. we'll talk about their women and what they're doing. So how much of this is just yep.
3: uh,
2: male uh, hubris, if you will. Sure. And driven to the point. Yeah, driven to the point where you're ridiculing this guy and talking about, oh, you spent a million dollars out there and keep doing whatever. Money. And you can't keep you just it nah. As we in our, you can't keep a
1: woman in check, yeah. Now between the right. three of us, we we're, were wild and free, so you're right, you right. know, it's, let's just be honest. When when you hanging with your boys on that, uh, you know, hanging out, yeah. it's always about. And it's about control. you know, you know back to what it's, oh yeah, yeah, it's about and and the, the fact that I think, males,
2: I, and we need to be in front of this to make sure that we tell young men as we're looking at this, this, this issue uh, that just came up today in terms of Title IX, uh, United States government with the fifty-five schools that are under some serious issues investigation. Right. If we can kind of tie this in full sure. circle as we start oh, yeah. to move, uh forward, is the fact that we do have a problem with how males cheat uh treat excuse me females or how our young men I should say treat young women like and older and all and ages. have an issue like less than
0: people like less human yeah.
1: like and, and like property and like and objects. And have, have an is issue a, a mental a, I'll, is say, sentence, I'll say I'll say like this have a mental issue with women being in charge of anything. Yeah, that's
2: about
1: you know, even to to uh, the point of being a teacher yeah. or a coach. Yeah. No at and at some point it's got to change. It's, well,
2: it's, I, uh, the first thing that changes is the fact that we put the time out on a podcast, and you said some people may not be as quite as attuned to this, but the fact that we were speaking on it, I, I think, is something that's going in the right direction. But anything to change, the first thing is you have to educate people on the subject, and, and until we do that, you're right, there will be very little. Time. So let's we let have me have a responsibility. You,
0: let me let's talk about the uh, as you just touched on the Title Nine. Issue um, came out today. I heard it on the radio while I was at the job uh yesterday, I think. I read an article about basically saying that Title IX, at 40 years, Title IX has failed, or is it a complete failure. And I think the issue the, ar- the author was trying to get across is because it touched on this today. This is the first few paragraphs of this article. From huge state universities to small colleges and the Ivy League, Fifty-five schools across the United States are facing federal investigation for the way they handle sexual abuse allegations by their students. For the first time, the U.S. Department of Education revealed its list of colleges under investigation, though no details of the complaints, as the Obama administration sought to bring more openness to the issue of sexual violence on and around the nation's campuses. Uh, The schools range from public universities, including Ohio State, California, Berkeley, Arizona State, to private schools like Knox College in Illinois, Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania, and Catholic University in the District of Columbia. Ivy League schools, including Harvard, Princeton, and Dartmouth, are also on the list. (laughs) Schools on the list, for the most part, were unwilling to talk about specific incidents, but said they had been working with the federal department to be more responsive to student complaints. Um each school every school is is by law basically to investigate um uh, accusations of sexual violence. And for years schools have not done that. And I, Missouri is one of the it main schools are right not dealing with that head on because of an I think the the victim committed suicide. Right. Because no one that school did not investigate, did not do enough to uh, follow up on her. What happened to her? They didn't really believe her because I think it involved football players, and, and ultimately all the scorn and criticism and everything that she was subjected to by outsiders. She just gave up and took her own life. So, but let me read it. It's.
1: And and also the, the situation at, at Vanderbilt came up again today, and now uh Coach Franklin has been Who's, who who right? who was a coach at the, at the time at Vanderbilt when his situation now he's at Penn State his situation has that incident it has, it has, has, followed him. has followed him he could be out of a job because of that because of what's been uh, he's been uh, been reported and he's been allegedly accused of having conversation, and trying to slight that situation away. Basically, t- Title yeah, 9 you
2: know, let's, not, let's not ignore uh, the issue out there in terms of Dennis Winston. Uh, and you have the issue now with the crab legs. We won't get into that. That's sad. But the framework of his mentality and the association he had with the last case. I and mean, You had the article that uh, gave you a further insight than that, which probably gives a lot of people a lot more consternation in terms of what went out. And so we can't ignore that either just because he's a Heisman trophy winner, the person that happens to be at the African-American framework and the fact that we would hate to see somebody do something on that level uh, because we know that there's a negative energy out there. So that's a framework that we have to look to itself. And I think you have the fact that you have young men that have been allowed to get away with a lot of things because they're making a lot of money for the universe in terms of sports. And that's why I argue the fact that we need to really change what they like to call the collegiate model, which which they changed after amateurism was changed by athletics, which frankly means that they can make money off the back of young students, young athletes, and not pay them. It happened to be uh, disproportionately African-American and, frankly, in my opinion, do not meet the academic standards of the institutions that they're going for, which creates a mindset that does not allow them to really be successful in the classroom. Now, I'm not saying that they should not be admitted into an institution, but I'm saying that they are
3: admitted to an institution
2: that they really don't have a great deal level of success on the academic side. And you're creating all these variables that allow for such things like this to happen, Frankly, I continue to say that the existing model is creating more problems than the solutions that people like to think that are out there in regards to young individuals getting these opportunities. And this doesn't even include the framework that I talked about, the other thing is out there that a lot of people don't want to look at. When they talk about welfare, we also have recently this decision in terms of affirmative action uh being knocked down, if you would or repeal uh by the judicial system, Supreme Court saying that you could not use affirmative action in terms of letting students in your institution. But this is not a problem on the athletic side when these students are not making the grades but they're allowed in in the auspices of a student athlete. So there's a lot of framework that's disturbing. I think I'm glad that we have an opportunity to put this on the table so people can maybe look at
0: this a little different. And let me... Let me say a few things about this issue. And then I want to wrap it up with a couple of things. One will be about the big five the power conferences about to get what they want come August. So that's all, that's, that's coming. So OK, um, the Title IX issue, uh, let me see if I can find it. The college in investigations are done on the Title IX of US law, which prohibits gender discrimination at schools that receive federal funds. It is the same law that guarantees female athletes equal access to sports, but it also regulates institutions' handling of sexual violence and increasingly is being used by victims who say their schools failed to protect them. Um, the agency, basically the, the department can withhold federal funding from a school yes. that doesn't comply, let me say that again, the department can withhold federal funding from a school that does not comply
1: with the law.
2: You're talking about millions of dollars a year. I
0: so understanding
2: how much federal funds are associated with these public institutions, as well as people may not realize uh, because they're federal funds and you're uh, dealing with Title IX. This also is the case with private institutions. This affects all of
0: them. Right. But the this, this issue is, but so far, the Department, U.S. Department, has not used that power of withholding funds and instead has negotiated voluntary resolutions for violators. I think that that's is about to change. to change and that and that's and i'm, I'm, Good I'm point. that's what is going Good to be a big true. issue and it should change so now, getting to the sports business side and this week, more and more is is coming out about the uh Power Five, Big Five we going to say that. Go ahead. Now, the one thing uh, that that we
2: tie into this obviously the Northwestern decision vote was taken last. Friday. Right. Yeah. Right. where uh, um, they become a union, unionized, unionization, right, and we won't know about it until the Court. Imagine how that vote may have changed. If this to
0: That's a good point. All right. Let's see the Big Five conferences and in, and in you have touched on this in a few of the podcasts, but basically the NTA is probably going to allow the power conferences to get its way, to have autonomy in in terms of things like um, cost of attendance and other issues like that, that the other 227, I think, schools that I'm like 80 something, 85 or so schools that are in the power, the big five conferences. But the other 227 will basically be SOL because they will not be able to, even if they all unify and unanimously agree on an issue. It ain't going to happen. If the big five doesn't agree it with gonna happen it, it ain't happening. That's really what it comes down to point blank.
2: Yeah, I think this is a sad day, uh, in regards.
1: What these power five are able to do with legislators how they really push those so other division one institutions to the back. But now, I don't think, I, I think there's going to be a lot of issues. only come. reason, the only issue I have is that the rest of the uh, Congresses didn't open up their mouth. They just basically sat on the sideline and watched it happen.
2: And they did, but. You know, and, and, and. And to your credit, you're right. And the reason why and I think, I think for the of, wrong reason. No, I, I, think part of it is, is it may have been for the wrong reason. And I give you a lot of credit. I think it's a bigger issue. They
1: just didn't know how to organize. And I, and that's my point. <laughs> if you see something happening that's going to affect everybody involved, they didn't know how that it was almost like, well, we still got the NC2A to fall back on. No, you don't. Because if that group, once that, uh, that's right, I'm I'm we're going to move forward now. Once that group gets its way, the rest of them will be at the mercy of what's ever left. And we watched it happen with, right here in front of us with the Big East and the American form. Once the money, they got too big, they overbid that position in the TV status, and lost out. Landscape changed. They lost hey, it. Hey. Uh, they, they lost the you, menu. You
3: too, too nice.
1: They lost No, 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 no. Go ahead. You were smart enough as the
3: other guy. That's all it that is. You, <laughs> you're tight. Nice. You weren't all in losers. No, you're trying to. <laughs> <laughs> do, do it to me. Let me do that stuff. You should tell the truth.
2: They, they, smart as the other five. they literally locked <laughs> this group out came smaller so they
1: can generate more revenue, keep and, it you know to themselves. And the worst part about it is... Because the Big East had
0: the ESPN presented them with a, a boatload huge. of money.
1: And they overthought. The e no, they overthought the process. We're going they 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 to just
0: give, see if NBC can you know match the offer or make it a better offer. So we're going to wait. We're gonna say, no, thanks, so ESPN said, fine, let's we'll go on to somebody else. <laughs> and now there's no Big East, at least not the oh, East it is a great. basketball conference now, and you have the American trying to survive. And the kicker is all this stuff that we're saying is if you're not in the Big Five Power Conference, you are still trying to get to be in the Big Five Power right, Conference. Right. So there will be, and I kept telling people, you or baseball will have a chance to do it as long as the alums get out the behind and turn football into something worthwhile in terms of season tickets, winning on a regular basis, because Connecticut has already been an article. This week, yeah, yeah. in the yeah, Harvard that's, Business that's, Journal, saying that UConn is going to try to enlarge the football stadium and all these things because they realize basketball is not where the money is. So, as long as they are in the American, they have to get out of the American. That's the whole, that's what they want to do because I've seen all of my Connecticut media people just are just distraught at how their basketball is, they have to deal with these other teams that are just so beneath them <laughs> basketball wise, <laughs> women. But it, honestly,
3: it's, yeah, it's, they get kind, of, kind of cranky. They, they get kind want, of cranky.
0: They're still trying to get into the ACC. Right. That's their hope. But, point blank. And The football team is sucks. crap.
3: Cause, the fans
0: support their average 22,000 22, 22, people in the football. That ain't good enough to impress a power conference for you to join. We got basketball. We got great basketball. Without y'all, what you gonna do for me in football? So that's the thing. And the irony, irony, but one of the ironies is, is U of H, if, it's a massive if, but they have a better chance to get into the Big 12 or your power conference probably quicker than UConn does.
1: Because of
0: the region and the
2: dollars associated. And if it's not necessary, the Big 12, another one of the big conferences that won't.
0: SEC, Pac-12, whatever. Sure, yeah.
2: In my opinion, is going to look to expand the four teams for some.
0: And, and that was tossed around about two years ago. So, so, uh,
2: they might not be able to get Texas, but they're going to look to see how do they spread and open yeah. up. So if they can create another pod where they get Texas, uh, in that marketing component of the, uh, Pac-12 network. And I'm going to tell you when you want to look at when these conferences will change again, look when the end of their contract is due. And when they have to negotiate a new one, that's when you start to see the climax
0: of this change. And the Big Ten, the report came out, I guess, Monday of this week that the new TV contract for the Big Ten conference, each school, each not the new school, not, not uh, Maryland and Rutgers because they have to be in, in six years to, in order to get a full share. Uh, I think Nebraska will be six years soon. will receive $45 million per school from the new TV contract. Wow.
2: And they don't want to share this with anybody. And, and, and that's what this gets to. And, Those and other 30 some uh, 300, 200 some schools that we talked about they don't want to share it with them and so that's where this issue is and they don't want to share it with the other FBS schools so that's the major problem I have with this as I began the program I'm telling you to look at this differently from the NBA I'm going to bring it back we're talking about equity issues not oh, equality yeah. we're talking about equity yeah. issues how do you spread the wealth and essentially you have these big schools say uh that we're going to keep it all and some people would come out and say well You know, they've done a lot to brand themselves in such a way that they can command that. And from that, I would say I agree with you. They have. But the way they did it was on the back of other individuals. So to give them credit for doing it, to me, is not the same when you look at how they went about doing it and really detaching themselves in such a way that they held other individuals back. And I believe that's just a bad framework of how we live in the U.S., and even a worse framework when we look at it in terms of businesses. And that's why we have some general guidelines that, generally speaking, uh, does not allow people to create cartels or monopolies because this is exactly what exists.
1: Well, I mean, antitrust, you know, how, how, I'm gonna ask this question. I would ask it like this then. How close are they at that point?
2: I think they're gonna have some serious issues with that antitrust when you start making these arguments. And I think that's why these guys are doing this because they're doing it in such a way that by the time the courts catch up with them, um, that they'll be looking at a, a whole nother framework. And so they may even agree to the antitrust. By the end, everybody else fell off, moved a less division because they can't afford it and things of that nature. So they still believe they're going to win out because what they have created. And that's why I said that's what's so dangerous is we've allowed this to fester so long that even those folks that are finally catching up with it, whether it's through the court system and try uh to create a way uh, to stop this, we can take it back to uh, Donald Sterling in regards to this. We may agree with the outcome of the decision, but because for whatever reason, not saying uh, whether it was done purposely or not, I'm not even going to put that out there, I'm just saying for what it is, uh, not with my personal beliefs, that because it was not caught earlier, there is the ability that he's still going to have some type of financial windfall Based on how this plays out, well, that's the same thing I think you're going to see with the framework, with these big five. Even when the courts lay it to them, they'll lose some money, but they've ha- they'll have so much riches that it's going to pale in comparison in terms of what they got to pay out, and even if they have to change the game.
0: And at some point, this seems so far fetched now, but at some point, the bubble will burst. Yeah, at some point, it may be ten years from now. Or- 20 years from now, but at some point people are going to get fed up and just stop. The money is going to run out. No one sees it right now. No one cares to see that right now because they don't think it's going to happen.
1: Will it be when people disconnect either from satellite, cable, or celestial TV? Man,
2: I think eventually you're correct. Ultimately, the bubble will burst. But I think
1: with... The At which coverage, one of the platforms will it do? Well, that's
2: the problem that I'm going to say that. I think you asked the perfect question. Because of these new media platforms, I think it's going to be a long time before this bubble will burst. I think there may be some issues outside of that from football in regards to the head trauma. I think that's a major issue. Some of these court issues. But all they're going to do is redirect and reframe what they're doing such that they can leave. Let's say they're... Let's say that all these judgments comes out. They nail the NCA. It pretty much has to cease to exist. Essentially, to see if the Big Five have created their own pod where they'll be like, all right, we're fine. We'll create our own model of the NCA. We'll take the antitrust, but you're still not working within those Big Five conferences, plus maybe, let's say, each of them go to 16 teams and create this platform. Well, even though the courts won and rechanged it by the end, They have everything set up to where they can survive. That's the point I'm trying to make. That you're right, that it will bust, but it may bust in terms of the overall framework, not enough where it totally calipults all these other Big Five conferences to where they can't exist anymore and continue to move forward.
0: Let's talk Rockets Blazers as we wrap up this awesome, awesome podcast here. The Rockets won Game 5 Wednesday night. Basically, thanks to uh, Jeremy Lin and Dwight Howard, Chandler Parsons, and a little bit of James Harden toward the end there. I think he scored eight of the
1: team's last nine points or so. What's what's up with him? Thank you. I, I'm going and to get your take cause on that because I'm going to tell you, I, I'm it's, going with the same point comment I had the other week. I don't know what's going on in his mind. I don't know what's, go, what's going on in his in his private life, but he done brought it to the floor. Something he, yeah, needs, something's he, going on he needs to correct that. He, or somebody, he needs to talk to somebody because I don't. Me personally, I don't want him on the floor with the last four minutes of the game. Something is wrong because, because he passed up a lot of shots. He did.
0: He didn't look to shoot in the third quarter last night in Game Five, and the Rockets need him. Right all media. All media. All of us on the media table. Okay. You can see it on on Twitter. We were all tweeting. What's wrong with James Harden? What is, is he going to come up? He hasn't played well in this in this series yet. No. First two games was all about LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, players coming in. LaMarcus averaged uh, 44 and a half points a game those first two games. Last night he only scored eight points. You see how Omer Asik, if he's allowed to stay on the floor and not pick up early foul trouble, he can force Aldridge to make tougher shots and get him out of his rhythm. That's all you can ask of any NBA yeah, defensive right. player to get a star player out of his rhythm. You see that with Tony Allen versus Kevin Durant. Just got to get him out of rhythm. You make him take tough shot. They make him, hey, good for you. We get him out of rhythm. But James Harden, I thought he was sick last night. I thought he had, uh, caught Patrick Beverly's flu. Because you heard about Patrick Beverly having oh, yeah. one-on-one. I thought fever. he
1: was, at one point, at one I point thought he, he looked like he, I mean, he, just on looked, on bench, he looked sick. He was ashy. I mean, he was, his face was like drained. He didn't look like himself. It was well, like he was looking for the sideline. Like, I well, need what to go to the James Harden cannot. Is not is
0: unwilling so far to accept Dwight Howard being his dominant force in this series. What if he's not used? What if not? Yeah. He's not. He had been a cool cousin. with that. Yeah. What if he's not cool with going back to well, being he picked a bad a second, time for a second mentality. table, second person, not the star playing? Like you know, he was third wheel, Oklahoma City behind Russell and,
1: and well, Durant. Yeah. He forget. picked a bad time for, for for him mentally because that's what S.A. is right now. It, they, everything is all in his head. I don't think it's physical. I just think it's more mental. With what's going on with him, and he needs to find he needs, he needs to talk to he needs, who he needs to talk to, get that resolve and move on. Well, it may not be able to get done
2: in
0: this game six is Friday night it's tomorrow yeah. night
2: so and it's nine and thirty in this, this postseason. But I would like to kind of take us back and look at this historically. You know, this has happened to him before uh, in the final in Miami, he, Miami, he, Miami. He looked so again. Lost. I wonder if it is a framework where. When things get so chaotic and he kind of loses rhythm, we see it, sure. uh, with jump shooters in a way. And I wonder if that's that kind of thing where he somehow loses his touch, uh, that it, for whatever reason, it's amazing for a star to do that. But maybe he's the type of person that it just takes him a longer time to get out of such funk.
0: It needs, he needs to get to the free throw line. And the Blazers are doing a good enough job yeah. to keep him off the line. Plus the officiating is allowing more physical play. Letting more things in the go. Season, that, yeah. So he's, he seems to be having a, a tr- trouble adjusting to that physical element, not getting a lot of the foul calls in his way. I, I cannot really recall how many Euro steps he's had in this series that he's known, he, that he's famous for. The Euro step, I think, it's a travel. Yeah. But the Euro <laughs> yeah. step, you know, to the bucket yeah. to left. So he had had many of those. West right. Wes right. Matthews right. is taking it to him on the other end. He's working to have to work on both ends. And you, you see, for the most part, James Harden's defense has regressed.
1: I, I mean, it has just gotten worse. I watched him with that Matador defense and it's like, it's, it, I, I just wanted to, I was just cringing because at some point I was looking for somebody to say, say, man, go and sit down. Go and sit down because you are worthless right now. Yeah. I he's, mean, literally. He's not putting forth any effort. I, 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 <laughs> because when you sit and watch that on any level, Matador defense, it just, Chase your butt, and when you coach on the sideline. But to his credit,
0: down the stretch last night, when the Rockets 17 point lead had shrunk to two, he made a, a, a driving layup, then he made a three point shot, and then he even tipped a three point attempt by, I believe, Damien Lillard. So he, it's in, it's within him. He has the ability to be an all around player. He has to go out there and get it done. Will the Rockets win game six? Friday night, Wildcat. You know what? No, Doc. No.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's just amazing to me when you look at the framework. And, and, all,
1: and the reason I say that is because what has transpired in every game in this series, lead fourth quarter, five minutes to go, and boom,
0: they, they've had problems. hold on the lead, no question. They have had problems doing that.
1: Yeah, last night was the first time they really. And one even the, that, it,
0: it got down to one three times, and then down to two in the last three minutes. So the Blazers didn't score a bucket the last, didn't did not score a point the last three forty of the ball game. So is it over tomorrow, Doc? Rocks are gonna win the series in seven. I said it. You know, I don't know if that's that's more of a of a wishful thinking because I don't want to see the local NBA season end tomorrow.
2: Man, I agree with you. One thing that I will say about what you're pointing to is, can they really play?
0: this many theoretically
2: bad games in a row? I mean, while the games have been excellent in terms of how competitive they are, but if you think about it as a Rocket fan, for the most part, they haven't really had, you know, a solid game where their players have all come together and put it together. Can I mean, wouldn't they have one more game where they can put it together? And if you do that, then you force a seven. And you would think the home crowd could help them bring
0: it home. Yeah, the crowd was awesome last night, Wednesday night. They were, they were Yeah, y'all was kind of loud. Y'all was kind of loud. No y'all, cause I, hey, i huh? no cheering <laughs> in the, in the press box. No cheering in the press box. Couple things. I card, dude. Uh, <laughs> Lamarcus Aldrich in the three Blazers wins in this series averaged 39 points a game. In their two losses, he's averaged 15.5. Big difference there. But I'm going to wrap it up. And I retweeted that. That stat is, that tweet is, that stat is from, uh, ESPN Stats. I retweeted that. Uh, my Twitter is, uh, account is T-H-E-H-R Review. My website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. That's also the YouTube channel. Our Facebook page we have for the KD, Fifth World Wildcat and Doc Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Start sending us your questions as my, my buddy from Washington has done a few times, and she I really appreciate her support, and she really uh, is impressed with all of you guys' insight which you bring to the podcast. So thank, thank you, Amy, for thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted, in case you did not know this, gentlemen, James Dickey, former Houston Cougars head oh, coach, Cougar, yeah. I, I is gonna wait, I was now gonna let on the staff at Oklahoma
1: State. I was going to let you make that announcement. I wasn't going to just blast that. So, oh, no, no. <laughs> I thought he, they were oh. keeping him on with
0: he decided to leave. So, no, 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 James Dickey left. Okay. He stepped down as head coach. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the system. You're thinking I mean, Ivan, yeah. you're thinking Ivan Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. I'm sorry. But oh, yes, he's, mind. he's joined Travis Ford. That's interesting. Uh, in, in Stillwater. He's going back home because as I think Walker pointed out, uh, Coach Dickey's wife didn't never move down to Houston. Yeah. I think was head coach. Here. She yeah. never came down. Here. She never moved down. She, to she never, she never so moved. She's back in Stillwater. So he's back, <laughs> he's back with, with his family. Yeah, that's good. And one thing that was and noted, it's,
1: and I think in New- that's the reason behind him moving, leaving. That, that's it, it, possible. It, it, and and I'm hoping it's not. And I'm wishing mm-hmm. the best for 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 them all. Uh, but I'm glad he's back home, as they say. So let
0: me a couple things. I'm gonna tie it in as, as always. Wrap it up here with Coach Dickey now at Oklahoma State. Article at newsok.com as mentioned, this speculation will Tayshawn Thomas and Daniel House transfer to Oklahoma State because He's especially especially House one of the reasons he cited for his problems and wanting to leave in the first place was. was Dickey was gone was first coach Daniel Daniel Robinson was left left and he he House thought he didn't have. It, no longer had anybody on the staff to he felt close to. That so trusted. we'll see how that all that plays out. Good luck to both those young men. Good luck to Coach Dickey. To now summarize how old we are, Wildcat, and me. A little bit older than y'all, so I just, you start talking about old Coach now. Coach Kelvin Sampson is rounding out his uh, staff, and today <laughs> he announced that former Oklahoma guard Hollis Price has joined the staff as the uh a director of player development. That's the new title. Hollis Price an All American at, at OU, All American Guard. Uh he was recently on the staff in uh, of the other Texas legend in the D League, NBA D League. But Hollis Price was a bad man, Oklahoma boy he, Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine, two thousand three playing for Coach Samson,
1: He he was a hell of a guard. You know and I'm surprised uh one of his uh former proteges uh that was forward on, on one of those teams, uh, Ernie Abercrombie, uh from here from Aldean Eisenhower, uh matter of fact one uh, led the uh, big eight at that time and uh rebounded and ended up uh being uh passing Wilt, you know as far as the Big 8. Big eight uh, and the reason he was, uh, matter of fact, he was wrote up in his book and all about it. Uh I just happened to be going across it and found it. Wow. But he he said it based the ball down to, it's not how big you are, it's where your heart is. If you decide you want to rebound and going to be that guy, that's what it's going to take. And what I remember from Ernie, is a hell of a rebound. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't any ball that he didn't think he couldn't go and get. He and Charles Barkley about the same size. He just got after
0: So to wrap it up, we got Hollis Price joining Cougar staff today. Uh, a few days ago, the Cougars announced another guard. Signed letter of A big 10. guard. Uh, Kavon. I'm not sure if I, if I don't know if it's Kaven. C-A-V-O-N. Kaven. or Kavon. Chuck is his nickname. Chuck Baker. Signed the National Letter of Intent, 6185 185 uh, Joins guard Eric Weary Jr. and Troyan Graham, who signed last week as part of uh, Coach Sampson's uh, recru- recruiting class. These guys are all junior college players. And then on Monday, another person joined the coaching staff, Talvin Hester, joined Coach Sampson's coaching staff as an assistant coach. And he last season coached at Texas State. So, a little sausage flavor there, and he's well connected into the state of Texas. But, but, Doc, uh, Coach Hester was at Prairie View from 2005, 2010. Yeah, I'm Coach
2: Hester. We, so, I still talk to Coach Hester. He is up and coming. Yes, sir. If he gets a shot, trust me. He, he's very good. Very well respected on the recruiting trail. Uh, the individual in terms of his knowledge of the game, very good. Actually, uh, finished Prairie View. Uh, from that and his wife did too. But he's a around. Uh, he did well. Some of, uh, coach. His better days is when he was one of the first assistants, top assistant recruiting players with him down there at Prairie View. When you look at Coach Rim, went over there to San, San Jose State, I think, for right. a while. Mm-hmm. A couple of years uh, there. Uh, came back, uh, learned. Stephen at Boston. And when they made that run, uh, unfortunately for them, they, uh, had a great regular season loss in the tournament, like semifinals or something like that. So they didn't, didn't get a chance at a big dance, but they had one of the runs like the, that just happened, uh, this past year. One of those type of runs. Obviously nothing's quite like what they did last year, but it was similar. Been over there at Texas State recently, uh, very solid. So, uh, I hope to see him do well. And I think you, you will see that he'll bring a great deal to the table.
0: So that's how we're going to wrap it up. We talked about a lot in this podcast. Gentlemen, thank you as always. You That's what you we do. Wrap it up here. Do you Do you we, want to no. wrap it up? Doc,
1: you anything you want to say in, in conclusion? Nope. I think we covered enough for the night. Got to keep them wanting.
0: Okay, so you say Rocket season ends tomorrow yeah. in 6. You say um uh, say 6. So okay, so I'm going to go out on the limb here, blind faith that yeah, the Rockets Yeah, you
1: saw him up close. So the
0: Rockets will find a way uh to win in 7. So I like to see it and I, I think, predicted Rockets in 6. Uh, so I might be wrong on that.
2: focus on Houston side but we good outside of that. People have seen the updates now. I think the Hawks have also let a series get away from them. Yeah, they the Los Hawks lost home. game six in Atlanta so tonight to the Pacers. The Pacers. So, I can't see uh, Pacers losing another one at
0: home. So we'll we'll see if the Pacers can man up and, and win game seven well, at home. If
2: it's any indication how they kind of so pushed hooked.
0: each other and some
2: people would say fight in this game that they have maybe finally. So, so good, cause,
0: you know, despite the fact Roy Hibbert played 12 minutes and had a minus 12 uh, rating. <laughs> another – uh, what happened? What happened? I think another, another fellow who's had mental issues, something, something wrong in his life. Too, oh, yeah. That yeah, He right. brought him yeah. to the court. Yeah. And, and I, and, I think his is injured. So we'll see something's wrong with
1: him too. Yeah.
2: And, and, which can affect you mentally. The Indianapolis so area
1: is not kind.
3: Well, any
1: franchise. No, the, the Indianapolis area is not kind to, uh, athletes. But yeah. It's, well, and then, especially when you're not doing well. I agree. Um, uh, and whether it's an injury or whatever, because, uh, Granger had to leave just because of off, you know. He, 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 he wasn't needed anymore. Yeah, he couldn't stay
0: healthy, and they won without him. <laughs> right, but I think
2: one of the issues that people point to is the fact that he was may not being able to do it on the court in terms of putting up the numbers. But he was and a things glue like guy, that. but he was a glue guy, and you start to see what they miss in yeah. terms of him and bringing a bringing people I will agree with that. I, and, and getting people to leave stuff. uh, In the locker room or whatever and move forward and get it done. So I think they miss his character uh, in the league. One thing I would finish up, I know we're on time. I want to say thank you to um, Texas Southern University. I was awarded the Distinguished uh, Service Award this year, 2014. So I want to say thank you for Texas Southern University and all the individuals that helped make that possible. And that includes you all in regards to the podcast, because I did put that information as a service component that i'm putting out there and getting done so i think uh in in a more than a small way uh that helped allow me to get uh, that particular honor and also i'd be remiss i had a childhood friend particular high school i should say uh that passed this past weekend and i would be reluctant if i didn't give him his kudos in terms of uh He'll be missed, sorely missed by his family and friends. Rest in peace. Chad Cotton, he lost his uh, life because he uh, was riding on a motorcycle and the other individual uh, did not yield the right away way when mm. uh, they should have. So uh, I wanted to get that on record. So thank you for allowing me to share that with us. Of course. Mr. No so, problem, Don. Rest no in
0: peace there. All right. We're going to conclude the podcast, as always. Oh, a couple things. We're still looking for Sponsors. That will always be a, a goal that we have, especially with basketball season coming up this fall, and we are making plans for the Final Four next spring. So we're looking for that.
2: Hot off the wire, the NAACP president has resigned wow. because of the scrutiny.
0: Uh, in the, the L.A. chapter or the whole? NAACP? The L.A. They're chapter. L.A. Oh, okay. chapter. Yeah, LA, L.A. chapter. chapter. Okay. LA chapter. All right. Well, so many things you hear on these podcasts. We do things really as long as we can do them. Thank you, gentlemen, once again, for your knowledge and your insight and your opinions. going to wrap it up as always. Oh, of course, listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for the retweets. Thank you for listening to the podcast via iTunes and SoundCloud, getting people to follow us on SoundCloud. Now, from international folks, I definitely know who these folks are, but they follow, listen to us favoriting our, our podcast on SoundCloud.com. So thank you for that as always. It's got to be the growl the wildcat does to start off the, the podcast, you know, that's that's great because we didn't get a lot of followers when he was he was out those couple of podcasts. So, he's back. So, we're doing big things there. We have goals. I'm trying. To, I'm to, trying to continue to give you our insight and our take on issues. Definitely. sports issues? Business issues, world issues.
2: Next podcast, I'll give you some uh books that I've read to kind of give you the framework of why I think and people may be interested in reading them sure. and seeing a different Venue. So I'll shout out, because you thought about that internationally. There's a professor that is here in Texas now, um, oddly enough, at University of Texas, but he's an international guy, brought up in London. Uh, i listen, listen to his interview. i listen to his
0: interview. Yeah, Ben mm-hmm. Carrington. Ben Carrington, yes, up, sir.
2: Uh, book on race and sports and politics, so the sporting black diaspora. Another one is Earl Smith. He's a professor out of Wake Forest, Race, Sports, and American Dream. It's a big one. Uh, there's a gentleman that I'm actually a colleague with. That likes a lot my work personally and that we're starting to try to, uh, do some things. He wrote the book, uh, The New Plantation, Looking at the NCA System. And that is Billy Hawkins. He's at the University of Georgia. So, uh, those are some people that you can consider if you want to, uh, look at some books that really tell you the format of where I kind of frame a lot of my discussion.
0: That's why Dr. is on these podcasts. I that's mean, why that's,
1: he's with us and we need him. That's why we, it
0: was a, I was so glad he could continued to prod me about joining the podcast. And I finally got things in order for us to do these podcasts Thank to you, the to to Welcome us. Welcome
2: me in the <laughs> So I'm glad.
0: I'm glad you are awesome a part of, of these podcasts and I'm much glad appreciated. To be here. Glad to be here. We're gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool,
3: and do more.